Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. On today's episode, the doctor discusses the recent Celebration of Life Memorial Service in L.A. And now, here's your host, Dr. Funkenberry. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. This is going to be a special memorial edition of uh, the podcast, special for Prince. We're just not ready yet to move on to our regular things. Um, I want to thank all of you guys for supporting us. Please make sure and to tell a friend, and you do it as well, to subscribe on iTunes. Please leave us a review because apparently that's how they do rankings. Um, also, we're on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and Overcast. Tell a friend, spread the word, like we're peanut butter. We're really, really, really appreciate it. All right, guys. So we're still in this process um, of trying to heal. Um, still not really sleeping too well. Uh, I know some of you, it's the same. You know, I know a lot of you reached out to me. I do appreciate it. I do read it. I just can't respond to everything. You know, like, sorry for your loss. Like, I may have known him. But you guys knew him just as well through the music. And sometimes uh, I think that's what made our relationship so close is I was never trying to figure him out. It was always about the music and we just relate to things on that level. Um, I think that's why he reached out to me. So this week um, there was a memorial that took place that was brought together by Manuela Testolini and Maite Garcia, uh, both the ex-wives of Prince Rogers Nelson. And it was quite a classy affair, very much so. I think the only thing that's been classy since April 21st. And I do think for a lot of people that attended it, <clears throat> there was healing and closure. Um, not so much for me, but I really really want something like this for the fans you know look they reported on celebrities there yeah he had friends that were celebrities but there was a lot of people that were just regular people that were friends of his that were there um don't get that mixed up there's probably around 300 people in attendance and you're probably dealing with like 50 to 75 celebrities and everyone else was someone that knew him that had a relationship and if you consider me a celebrity you're out of your mind <laughs> If there was anything lower than an F list, I'd be on it. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, they really try to keep it private. And unfortunately, like the day before, there was some stuff uh, getting out. And of, you know, your your favorite website, <clears throat> TMZ, uh, had a post about they got the invite. And they said they didn't know a location. But if they have the invite they're getting the location. So we knew to expect paparazzi when we were there. And um, that's what happened. I drove up and I'm not driving no Range Rover or having a, having a spot. So I kind of stick out like a sore thumb. And they're like, do we take his photo? I don't know. He's, he's wearing a beret and, a, and some glasses. And I made sure to wear that on purpose um, just because I didn't want to be seen. <laughs> And like I said, you know, been called out by them before, but it was nice because I wasn't the only one that would decide to wear a beret to the show, to, to the memorial. 
sorry, when it comes to something princely, you always think it's a show. Um, but there was like a former tech that used to work for him that was wearing a beret. Then my boy Adrian Crutchfield, one of the MPG horns, he was wearing a beret. And then Spike Lee, and this fool had to come wearing a purple beret and Kobe purple Nike shoes, Mr. Knicks fan. Anyway, but Spike, Spike was cool. And um, speaking of Adrian, like, I sat next to him. Like, just, we had things that we needed to discuss. Uh, an extra level of video, which I'm going to talk to you guys about later. Um, and then we ran into, like, I'm just chilling before it. You know, we see um, the dancer, Lala Escarza, who's in the extra level of video. And then I see, I run into Sam Jennings, who, um, if you guys don't know, um, the hardcore Prince fans, he, he created with Prince the MPG Music Club that was an amazing, amazing site that was ahead of its time for so many things and won a Webby Award. Um, just Sam, if you guys think, think that I'm great or whatever, Sam, Sam was the reason for so many years of uh, happiness and being able to get the music out to you at a pace that Prince found acceptable and could release music at any time. Um, it was a great platform. A lot of fans were there. The message boards. You had a little chat room where uh, you didn't know who would pop in to talk with you that worked for Prince. There was Paisley Park 4, Paisley Park 7, there was Paisley Park 9. There were some very interesting discussions over the years. Um, so I look, I see Sam in a different way than other people do. Like how Lenny Kravitz told me one time that he was excited to meet me. And like when I met Tony Canal, I've no doubt for the first time and he heard of my site and like how he reacted. It's kind of how I am with Sam. It's just because there's so much respect there. And I was really hoping um, before all this that Prince and Sam would work together again. Like Prince was tweeting at Sam earlier this year over an app that he made on his phone that would be like a kind of like new digital streaming service for the music club of something of that nature. Um, you know, Sam, being the humble person that he is, said he never really thought anything like that would happen. Um, because Prince doesn't tend to look back. The thing is, is to me, Sam was always a forward thinker. So he was never looking back. Just because they may have worked together in the past doesn't mean that they shouldn't have worked together in the future. Um, and then we ran into Scott Clay and Anthony Malzone, who ran the Lotus Fire website. And, uh, you know, they, Scott had, you can look at it as, as the pleasure or the unfortunateness of having to work very closely with Prince while Sam stayed in Chicago and I stayed in LA. Um, Scott having Prince with all these ideas 24 seven and Scott was doing his regular job. I wouldn't say he got burnt out quick. It's just that he probably didn't get to accomplish everything that he wanted to with Prince. And it is unfortunate when you look back on that. Um, I'm sure that he cherishes the experience. You know, we were sharing stories where, uh, for Scott and Anthony, um, Prince like brought them into a room after they like were hanging out all day discussing stuff. And then he had his entire band perform for just them too. And then Prince is like, Hey Anthony, Hey Scott, see, I can't do the Jimmy Fallon Prince impression. If I could, it would rock, but you know, sorry that this show wasn't so good. And I'm sure Scott and Anthony were like looking at each other like, uh, we just got like an entire show just for us two. Like, uh, we're good. And uh, if you guys remember, like during that time period, 
2009, 2010, like Prince was uh, doing um, Hollywood swinging. And he's got, sometimes you call it Inglewood swinging at the forum shows. But that's because I believe uh, one of their companies was called Hollywood swinging. So it was a little bit of a tribute to Scott and Anthony, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, you know, like it's just a somber thing. We had like some people coming up to us from the past that would start crying. And I'm still not in that grieving mode yet because I still have these reporters hitting me up and just wanting to know about certain things that they're hearing. And I just don't want anyone to catch me off guard. And trust me, they all do. The people that you think are respectable publications, oh, they try to hit that one question. And we're not going to go there. But I always have to be on guard, and that's why I won't let myself um, get sad or, or do it. I can't show any moments of weakness. And I'll tell you, this memorial was good. There was some times where it's like I think it was their whole intention was to get you to cry. I mean, there was some lady, like, passing out little things of tissues. I'm like, did they sponsor the event? I mean, what's going on here? So, you know, me and Adrian are talking about some stuff. There's a few other people. I may jump around with this just because it comes around, so I apologize if it comes off that way. But then we were finally led into the auditorium, and they had photos of Prince everywhere on big poster boards of different images throughout his career, um, which was quite cool. You know, he had like a black and white dirty mind shot. Then you had one with all the third eye girl. Um, we get to our seats. We see some people, uh, some people that were kind of like, wow, they came for real? Um, and we just sit down and kind of like, I, like we were asked to sit closer to the front where Manuela and Maite were. I just kind of wanted to be towards the back. I wanted to be away from some stuff just because there's just some people that I just don't trust when it comes to him. And I'm just always going to be, even if he's not here anymore, cause he's still here with me. I'm always going to have what his best interest would be. So I just kind of want to be away. I trust Adrian. You know, he's kind of newer blood. He was around um, working with him in the past year. You know, but there, everyone was out of respect there. That's what it was. And um, like I said, they were trying to make you cry. They're like, if you think you ain't going to cry, if you think you're the baddest mofo, you're going to cry. So, you know, they had Greg Filigrance. Philigaines. He kicked it off with Sometimes It Snows in April on piano. And Chris, like, tell me, like, you're sitting at Memorial, you know, you're trying to do this. It's supposed to be a celebration of life. And right. you're, you're hearing Sometimes It Snows in April instrumental on a piano, and it's quite a beautiful version. And that kicked it off? That's what kicked it off. Ouch. Yeah. So they got the tears going right off the bat. Oh, they were trying. They were trying. I, I'm sure like it hit people, you know, and then they're like, they're clapping afterwards. And I just felt like so awkward. I'm like, I don't really do like funerals or memorial services. I went, I went, I was lucky enough to attend the, the Michael Jackson one at Staples Center, which was a whole nother spectacle. Uh, but really when it comes to funerals, like I couldn't even attend like my grandfather's funeral. And that was like the closest, closest person to me in my entire life. So this is just uncharted waters for me. I'm not very comfortable with it. And uh, they're trying to go for the heartstrings immediately. And I'm like, whoa, slow down. It's like, you know, the only way I can describe it and is the uncomfortableness is that you just met someone, you're kind of attracted to them, but you're not feeling them that way yet. And they're already trying to grope you. And you're like, whoa. And they just, they went from like, like say 
someone really hot to someone very unattractive. Like for you ladies, let's think Ryan Gosling and then all of a sudden turned into Screech, <laughs> like from Safe by the Bell, like went that quick. Um, I just kind of like felt that it was, it was going to it so hard, but it was all with great intentions and was very beautiful. And let's be honest here. How else would you start it off? You know, what would you do? Were you going to go with let's go crazy? Come on. You know, you would start it with how they started. Sometimes it snows in April. It go, it goes for it. Um, I would have thought that's how they ended it, not began it. No, it just let you know that this is going to be powerful. And like I said, I think they, they did him right. That's the only thing they did with class since the 21st of April, like for real. Um, and then it's like they had, you know, the welcoming remarks. That was by Cheryl Boone Isaacs. You know, the president and Kameny of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences talked about some of his songs and, you know, um, just his impact on pop culture and media in, in itself. And then um, <clears throat> they played his Oscar acceptance speech from Purple Rain on the screen. Oh, like from 1990 or 1984? 85, but yeah, 85? like they did mention like, oh, who gets the new uh, shiny new Oscar, the 1984 Oscar. Uh, uh, Michael Douglas was saying that with Kathleen Turner. And it's just interesting. And then here comes Prince in that outfit with Wendy and Lisa. And there it is, Mr. You expect him to have a feminine voice. And that thing's got bass in it. Never would I have expected this in my wildest dreams. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just getting to you. Because here, here's the problem with all this. Even though we watch this hundreds of times. And now you're kind of like seeing it and he's no longer here. It's kind of like when you're watching a brand new episode of your favorite TV show. And then years later, you're watching it again, but it's on Nick at Night. Now it just seems, even though it's from so many years ago, because he was still with us, and he's still with us in a different way. But it just, um, you know that it's like in the past now. Like, it's just tough. I mean, like, and just it's just not one of those things that they keep going with it. And it's just classy, everything is just done right. And then um there were some other performers too, right? Or was yeah. we'll get into that, but it was just it was just cool. And then you have like the opening prayer, which is done by Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith. You know, and then they did a spiritual weeding reading, weeding. No, they did none of that there. It was a spiritual reading. Uh the poem was by Kali Gibran, read by Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith. And then um they did silent reading the program. They gave us like time to look through the program. And um, then they played Venus de Milo. Wow. Yeah. And you look through the booklet and like seeing, seeing a bunch of photos. There's like some rare photos of Manuela and Prince and Maite. And there's like a lot of quotes from like Bono. You know, I never met Mozart. I never made, met Duke Ellington or Charlie Parker. I never met Elvis, but I met Prince. Then... You know, there's one from Nika Costa. I love the look in his eye right before we would play together. He would get this mischievous grin and look over at me like, we're about to kill this. I can't count how many times he put me on the spot on stage and made me step up to the plate. I saw him do it with other artists too. I think he loved the thrill of waiting to see if you were going to fly or nosedive. He, of course, was always flying. 
and he loved company up there. So I just held on and jumped off, and I loved every minute of it. He was so very generous to me as an artist, so forthcoming with advice and love, and I will miss him as deeply as I will miss flying blind with him. Just, and there's one from Andy Allo. Prince is very special to me. I love him and will miss him terribly. He'll always have a place in my heart. Then uh, one of uh, the longest-termed, tenured band members, Morris Hayes, and he also spoke later, but in the quote in the book it says, in the world of stars, Prince is one of the biggest there ever was. Now he has a place in the heavens where his star will shine for all time. There's just awesome stuff throughout throughout this. And then you're just reading the book while Venus de Milo is playing, and then they have the lyrics to Way Back Home in the back. And that song always struck me like before April 21st. See, I can't say past. I can't say the word that rhymes with bed. Um, I just, just say ever since April 21st, just because I do feel that he's still with us. He's just in a different platform now. You know, some people like to say like he's in another galaxy performing. We just don't know it yet. Um, but yeah, those lyrics to way back home and all that just, it's rough. I'm like, man, they're not going to play at the ending or anything. Right. Um, <clears throat> So then you have Neil Portno, the president of the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, basically, basically, in the short term, the head of the Grammys. And he made a thing where he felt that Prince is, um, he was a whole genre by himself, that he created this whole genre of music that other artists had to follow him, whether today it's from Usher to Bruno Mars. Like, without Prince, there would be no Usher. There would be no Bruno Mars. You know, and Prince, and we knew this, we knew this, unfortunately, that he wasn't going to get the credit that he deserved till this happened. You know, they mentioned Michael, they mentioned all this stuff. I guarantee you now, when Chris Brown gets his next award, he'll be thanking Prince. Because as you can say stuff about Michael and the clean cut image that Chris had, and look, I know about the whole Rihanna thing, but he tries out the clean cut look. Not talking about the tattoos. I'm talking about the bow ties. I'm talking about the dance steps, and the little mischievous of, of him, the little sexuality of his music. Again, not talking about Rihanna. We got to look past that. And the reason I say that is, is it's very interesting to me. And uh, one of Prince's last interviews, which he did in Rolling Stone in 2014, which never saw the light of day, because he refused to pose for a cover shot, just like he refused to do that in 1982 and 83. But they still put him on the cover then. But he talked about not really forgiving Chris Brown. It's kind of like moving on from it, that he made a mistake and that he wanted to reach out to him. You know, it's just very interesting to me that we're all, we all read that article, but our feelings for Chris were kind of blinded by stuff. But this is something that Prince wanted was for us and for himself to reach out to Chris Brown. I know it's hard. But maybe we got to look out for this brother to make sure that some things that have happened to him in the past don't ever happen again. I'm not saying that he has to be your favorite person. You know, sometimes a family member, they can be such a jerk. But got to look out for them, you know. So this is something that Prince wanted. So I'm going to do that. Uh, whether it's talking about it on my site, whether there's other stuff. But if he's messing up, I'm going to call him on it because that's what you do with the family member as well. But we got to look out for him. And uh, 
you know, Neil's message was short. It was to the point, um, but it was quite true. He really did create a new um, section of music. You couldn't really label Prince and rock pop or R&B or even funk. He was everything. Like Sometimes I think if there were still real record stores around today, they should just have all these sections and there's just a section for Prince. Just saying. I agree, because what other artist has the range that he had? You know, had, ooh, it's weird to even say the word had, but yeah. he, he could do any genre, anything. And he did. He didn't stick to one because it was safe. He, he branched out and did jazz. He did, right. you know, rock, funk. Mm-hmm. There's even a couple country songs, you know, they're a little, you know, get chaos and disorder and see if there's not a country song on there. I'll listen to it. Dinner with Dolores. <laughs> and he did write stuff for Kenny Rogers. But I remember, like, record stores when I was growing up as a kid when we still had them. Um, there were some record stores that had them under rock. There's some record stores that had them under pop. There's some that had them under R&B. And, and there would be different, there would be the same record stores that a year later they would ch- be changing what section he's in because they didn't know what the heck to put him in. It depended on what his last album was. Right. So um, then you had Tavis uh, Smiley talk and share some stories um, about him. And Tavis, oh man, Tavis is a character, man. Like you wouldn't know it, being Mr. Political, always straight-faced. Um, we've seen him a few times at this event for the Tavis Smiley Foundation at the Conga Room that Prince performed at. And Prince is doing Play That Funky Music, White Boy. And he's got Tavis Smiley on stage, Dr. Cornell West. And it's just a trip seeing Cornell West sing Play That Funky Music, White Boy, and then do the crazy legs. Like... And these guys get down at a Prince show. Woo! Well, we all know you have to get down when you're on stage with Prince or you get kicked off, right? Yeah. Kim Kardashian. Let me just say, I never really wanted to be on stage with Prince at all. I've had many, many opportunities. One of the last shows during the forum run, the choreographer, choreographer, Danelle, Artiste, Hope I'm saying that right. If not, please don't smack me the next time you hit me. Because you give good hugs. I'd rather have a good hug from you than a slap. But she kind of pulled me up on stage. I got to be there. I'm like, all right. And it was the night. It actually was tonight, six years ago. It was Stevie Wonder. It was Stevie Wonder's birthday. But you know Prince and birthdays. He wanted to perform with Stevie. But he made sure that Stevie took the stage after midnight. Because technically it isn't his birthday anymore. And Janelle Monet was there. Um, so that was crazy. You know, I'm dancing with the twins. Like I said, I never really be on stage before. I'm like, I'm good. I've had my one Prince experience on stage, unlike Chris over here. Well, what made you get on stage that one time? Was it because it was special with Stevie? Because Janelle grabbed me. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was just like, because there's been other times I just shake my head, just like one time. Uh, at the Kodak Theater, um, I was front row, had to be, and he's doing How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, and look, front row front row is great, it's awesome, but sometimes you can't hear everything, that's why some of you guys are like, oh, he's cursing, and then I hear a recording, I'm like, man, you're freaking sitting front row, can't hear nothing, so he's doing How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, and then I'm just hearing like, hey, and I'm like, then he like puts the microphone in my face and goes, make a white man want to moan. And I didn't hear the moan part. I just heard make a white man want. I'm like, puts the microphone 
in my face. And I was like a baby that's being fed the food that he don't like, that tastes like peas or is peas or whatever. I just like turned my head to the side. And then he went to someone uh, three rows over. And they didn't know what he said either. And then Prince just goes, guess not. So the next night, brother Chris over here, he's in the same spot that I'm at wearing his lucky red shirt. <laughs> same thing comes up, but he does the whole, he does the whole thing. Make, make a white man want to moan. But he first went to John Blackwell and goes, make a black man want to moan. And then John goes, hey. And I went, I went, dang, that's what I was supposed to do last night. But see, he didn't do that. He didn't go to John the night before. I had no idea. So he goes to Chris, make a white man want to moan. And Chris goes, hey. <laughs> a little bit deeper. You're getting a little shy now. There was like a few thousand people there. But Prince looks at Chris. I don't know if he looked at me because I was a few rows back. But he looks at Chris like, I thought Dr. Funkenberry was supposed to be all funky up in here. And he just looked at Chris. I'm scared of you. And high five Chris. And I'm just pointing at Chris. And Chris is pointing back at me like, ha I did it. You couldn't do it. <laughs> no, no, it was not like that. I'm like, oh, look at this guy. If I wouldn't have had John to see what he had just done, I would have froze too. For sure. Because I had no idea. You were right. The sound, I mean, this is like, you know, front row problems. Maybe mm -hmm. the hashtag front row problems. But the sound sucks when you're in the front row. At certain venues. At certain venues. Right. This one, sorry, Kodak or whatever you call yourself now. Yeah. It was horrible because all the sound was behind us and it was bouncing off the top and the back so i remember we couldn't hear anything mm -hmm. and but, so thank god john was there to show me what to do yeah but cheese and rice man that tour those shows that's when you just knew like because this is when certain people would be talking about how prince's career is over and you know manuela was in the mix hard then and you just see these shows and you're just like left afterwards like how was someone with that much talent is not selling out Staples Center, Staples Center? And he was it. He only played venues like that again because he wanted to, you know? And I just think with the musicology tour, he was trying to make a point, though, that he could sell out these places easily. Like I said, the only reason that he did these small venues is because he wanted like a day or two notice and he kind of wanted the sound of it, you know, maybe not like the Kodak, but some other places. Um, but back to Tavis. So Tavis is telling a story <laughs> where uh, he gets a phone call <laughs> and he keeps hanging up on the person. And it turns out that the reason that he was hanging up is like, it'd be someone calling him like, hey, this is Tavis. He's like, Tavis, this is Prince. And then he, Tavis back, hangs up the phone. And then the person would keep calling back to where Tavis is like, Negro, stop. And he didn't, you know, it really was Prince. And he was apologizing forever, you know. And then he told a story. And this is just classic because you would never think anyone else would do this. Is like Prince in 2004, he wanted to do Tavis' show. And he kind of wanted to, to perform at the beginning of the show. So he asked Tavis, <laughs> what kind of light uh, lights do they have for the set? Like the, the ambience of it. That for the logo and how the set looks. So, you know, he was like, this is a weird question. It was like three in the morning. But, you know, he tells 
his crew that, hey, Prince wants to know the color scheme and everything. So he does this stuff. And then like the night before the show, he asked Tavis, what key is your theme music in? And he's just like, are you serious now? First you want to know the light. And he's like, now this. And then he found out what key it was. And then, you know, Prince did the show. He opened it up on, on a stool, performing a little bit of acoustic guitar. You know, did everything wonderfully. Then Tavis afterwards like, Prince, why did you want to know, like, what the color scheme was and why all this stuff? And he's like, well, about the color scheme, it's because I wanted something that was going to be look soothing to the eye. I didn't want something that was going to stand out of place. So he had the pool, the pool, the stool that he was sitting on, painted the light blue that would match Tavis's set and the logo. So it blended in, so it didn't stick out. And he's like okay, but why did you want to know about the music? He's like, I didn't want to play something in a different key of the theme song. And then when it changes, it just, it, it like messes up your ear. You know, like it just doesn't sound comfortable or soothing. And then Tavis is like, only Prince, man. Only Prince would think about stuff like that. From the color scheme blending in to the sound that the theme song is in. And the theme song is like short, like just, you know, Tavis spoke so eloquently of him that I kind of wish that Tavis would do more interviews about him uh, to the press and these other people that just don't know him. Um, but it was really, really cool. And then um, they did a musical tribute film of it. And it was just, it starts off with Prince doing Purple Rain from Purple Rain. Then it goes into Bruce Springsteen doing it. Then Trisha Yearwood. And that kind of got to me for a moment. Not like I'm a big Trisha Yearwood fan, but it's like all these different genres of music know him, you know. And then they show like New Edition doing it. Um, then then this choir. Then it was like a bunch of people outside First Avenue singing along to it the night of April 21st. And... Um, they went, there was like Rascal Flats again, like I said, people that you wouldn't expect doing it. And just it didn't get to me like the Trish Yearwood thing did at first, but he really did transcend all music. Like at times you said there were some country songs in there, you know. <sighs> you know, it just ends it and then ends back with Prince doing the guitar solo at the Super Bowl to Purple Rain. I said, just classy. And I know that there was tears again. Like, they're they're hitting the points, man. They're hitting it. Like, so much effort was put into this. You know, Steve Steve Park with the photos, Afshin, just a lot was put into it. A lot of effort in a short amount of time. And there's people that have six months to do tributes, and they couldn't do what they did in that time. Manuela and Maite and all of them just they have to be really proud of themselves. That was just tough, tough to watch. And then um Manuela's brother, Michael Testolini, came up on stage and said a few words about Prince. Kind of like um them hanging out in Canada and people not really understanding it's him, you know, and then like one time he was in Vegas and someone was like, Oh my god, Prince, oh my god, Prince, and it was like uh the guy that <laughs> is the lead singer for the Purple Rain uh, tribute band in Las Vegas. They, they thought it was him, Jason. It wasn't Prince. It was Jason. So that was funny. Because Jason, people like you, they're a really good tribute band. If you get a few drinks into them, 
the girls kind of started seeing Prince. You got to be careful. Jason, you know what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no to myself. I need to go see Purple Rain very soon. Yes, just maybe don't bring a girl with you. Just because Jason may take take her from you. Duly noted. Thank you. I'm like, I'll be like talking <laughs> with a girl. And then it's like, you're into him. They got this little vibe going on. I'm like, oh, yeah, I slept with Jason. I'm like, what? Okay. All right. So how about them Dodgers? Okay. The next person that talked was Morris Hayes, who has been holding it down in Minnesota while I've been trying to hold it down in L.A. and do some stuff. He needed to be there. I needed to be here. Um, Morris just talked about, you know, what a true artist he was and how much he made you be better. And Wendy talked about that later as well. But Morris like talked before her and just said these things, you know, like he pushed you hard. It was just really, really heartfelt. And, you know, Morris has been around for a long time with Prince. So he, he lost a brother that day. You know, some of us may have lost a friend. And I know some other people are going to feel that we lost a brother and stuff like that. You know, and I understand that's fully fine. There's no disrespect intended at all. But I know Morris on a different level than some other people. So maybe that's why I feel how genuine he is. And then they did a musical performance. Esperanza Spalding came up and then one of the players from Janelle Monet's band and Esperanza was talking stuff and then she introduced Janelle who walked on the stage. Um, and they, they performed um, Esperanza with Janelle backing her up. They did Controversy, but they kind of changed up the lyrics. Like, you know I believe in God. You know I believe in me. Stuff like that. That's cool. Uh, they didn't call it Controversy? No. Okay, o- good. Only Trevor Noah... <laughs> From the Daily Show, being overseas says controversy a lot. Uh, controversy. But yeah, they did it. You know, Esperanza playing the bass. It was cool. And then um, Janelle performed with Esperanza backing up this time, Take Me With You, with uh, the guy on piano that did Sometimes It Snows in April and Venus de Milo. It was really cool. Like they added some stuff to it. I talked with Stephen Hill afterwards, and he was kind of like, you know, see, that'd be something cool for the tribute for the BET Awards. Because a lot of people were upset earlier in the day that Madonna was announced as the person that's going to be doing a tribute to Prince of the Billboard Awards. Didn't say musical tribute. Like, I could not believe it. Like, I got the email, and I posted it to all the social media accounts, and the reaction was crazy negative. I didn't have a problem with her doing a tribute to him. I don't think it's going to be music. My issue was, and Stephen Hill knew immediately when I said it, he goes, it's because she did the tribute to him at the MTV Video Music Awards this year, that year. So she's doing it again. And then it's just, it's just, you know, look, I understand why they chose Madonna doesn't mean that she's on his level, but they've been around and they were part of the big three at that time, which you can never take away from her. And look, I'm sure that she's going to share a story about Prince that we just never heard before. Let's not worry that she's going to do a musical tribute because I think it'd be better served for Prince for a very nice video package to be played of him and have Madonna talk before it. And I think, didn't it come out that she is going to perform 
Not that I'm aware of. No, it never said it. But there's other people that have assumed that and put that. The email I got said Madonna to do a tribute to Prince. It never said musical tribute. You can do a tribute just by talking, just coming out and doing an intro. I just don't think... I've seen the performers at the Billboard Awards. Bieber, Rihanna, Grande, Trainer. Nah. You just can't do it and there's not gonna be no revolution or, or shaka khan like look and that's why i'm just like let the bt awards hand it stephen stephen hill is gonna do him right and people are trying to bring up the michael jackson tribute and i told him that he's like man we did that in three days you know right so stephen wants to do stuff right and he's like man if we get the people that say they want to perform if we get them, then everything's going to be gravy. But yeah, some people are just like, yeah, you know how it is. Yeah, man, Friday night at Chili sounds cool. I'll see you there. Friday night comes, oh, man, I'm in bed. Uh, I wasn't feeling good. Had a little bit of chili earlier, speaking of chilies, and it hit me the wrong way. So, you know, that's what it is. It's like he's saying, and we're, we're bringing up people. I don't want to bring up names because of stuff. And they'll be like, man, if this person's done with their album, I'm like, dude, who cares about their album, man? You got to do this. You got to do this. You know? And this this is what you get because the BET Awards, they can do grown folk music. I mean, remember when Prince was in charge of the tribute to Shaka Khan 10 years ago at the BET Awards? You had Stevie. You had Esperanza. You had all this stuff going on. They'll do it right because they can bring grown folk music and still have stuff. And look, Steven, if you're listening, as much as the fans are going to trip out, let Chris Brown be a part of it. But if you let Trey Songs do Purple Rain again, next time I see you, man, we're going to have words. <laughs> you do not go off script. Your name is Trey Songs, not Trey Cover Prince. Stop it. Okay. And then... Spike Lee comes out. Spike Lee rocking the purple beret, rocking the Kobe purple shoes. And he's like telling his own story. And he said, um, you know, that we did a block party on April 21st. And he's like, June for his birthday, we're doing something else, which he has announced. There's going to be another block party happening June 4th. I hear LA is going to be having something special too. Just saying. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, I heard something about that. And just to let you guys know, I think that I think they're shooting for August for a tribute in Minnesota that Tyke and the family is going to do. I don't really certain that, but I'm sure you guys heard that August 13th was already being discussed for Prince to open up that new football stadium for the Vikings. He's going to be the first performer there. It was supposed to be August 13th. So let's try to keep our eyes on that. It'll give it enough time. I would love for something in June. But let's do it right. And I really hope that, you know, a lot of you guys are able to attend or watch it. Because like this, I think that you guys will start to heal. And maybe maybe some of you will get a little bit of closure. Um, so Spike told a story about how Prince asked him, what kind of water do you drink? You know? And... Um, it's purple water, right? <laughs> no. He, he said, I, I, drink, I drink the best water on earth, Brooklyn tap water. And like Prince just looked at Spike like, no, the best water on earth is Fiji water. It's from the Fiji mountains. You got to get it. And then Spike had in Fiji water underneath the podium, big old bottle of Fiji water. And he's like, this is all I drink now because of him. 
and he just shared stories, shared adventures, seen him in concert. Like I said, one time I saw Spike at one of Prince's uh, celebrity parties, and everyone's having a good old time. Then a person's about to come out and introduce Prince. Spike and Dane Cook jogging for position right in front. You know, <laughs> looking like twenty-year-old girls at a Justin Bieber concert. Yeah, no, twenty. Shoot, what you talking about? Anyway, but it was just funny. And then Nile Rogers came out and shared a story about, you know, like he went to a Prince concert back in the day, probably around Dirty Mind tour, the way they made it sound with the uh, outfit. And then like they're like. <laughs> They see the back of Prince first, and Prince is wearing the bikini briefs, but it's kind of up to where it's kind of like showing cheeks, like goes the MTV Video and Music Awards outfit. And then Niall's like with his guys, like, damn, look at those nice butt cheeks. We can't wait to see Prince. They didn't realize it. Those butt cheeks were Prince. <laughs> and then, like, Niall, Niall wanted to meet him after the show. <laughs> That's Prince. an awkward uh, conversation. So great show and uh, nice, <laughs> nice buns. <laughs> no, they he uh, Prince declined. He didn't want to meet him. And then like fast forward, you know, Niles said it was a few weeks later, but I have a feeling it was like a few years later. They're in London, I believe it's Camden Palace. And then like <laughs> Prince is on stage jamming with Ron Wood. They probably just did miss you. And then. Prince is calling up Nile Rogers on stage to come up and play with him. And Nile's like all the way in the back, he had to like walk on the bar. He's like, he's like, homeboy didn't even want to talk to me before. Now he's calling me up on stage. He knows my name now. And then like, you know, he he said something about his music. He's like, Dane, he knows my music too. And then Niles and him started playing some James Brown. And then you just heard this really awkward sound coming from Ron Wood's guitar because he didn't know how to play that. <laughs> And then he kept trying. It just came off bad. And then after the music stopped for a minute, like Niles, Niles comes over to Ron and goes, Ron, <clears throat> I think you better sit down. <laughs> and then he just talked about like him performing at the Essence Awards, Essence Festival a couple years ago, and that Prince wanted to play to David Bowie's Let's Dance. So... Yeah, I think a video of that just surfaced online. Yeah. I watched that. That's pretty cool. You know, he allowed that at first, and now it's back up. And Niall was talking about how he took a, had someone in his band, his entourage, take, took a photo of it, and he posted it. And he thought, how long is it going to take Prince to take down this photo? And then Prince just retweeted it and put no words. Awesome. So, you know, Niall, Niall got to have that moment with him. They knew his music. And to David Bowie, out of all artists. Oof. And then um, <clears throat> Mavis Staples comes up unannounced and she starts sharing stories, you know. And then she's like, 86, Prin Pr Prince is calling me. And then, like, the manager's like, Mavis, Prince is on the phone for you. And she's like, Prince who? And then the manager was like, Prince. And she's like, again, Prince who? And he's like, Prince. And she's like, and he's like, he's like purple. And she's like, oh. He's like, well, what does he want? He's like, he wants to sign you to his record label. And she's all like, he knows I'm not Apollonia or Vanity, right? Like, I'm not going to be doing their songs. And, and then 
the manager's like Mavis, he will do songs for you. He he will perf- he will write contemporary songs. So Mavis <clears throat> agreed to meet him, and she was just like, it was after a show, and she was all like, you know, I'm not gonna be like these other women. You know, I'm gonna be cool. I'm gonna be dignified. He comes to me. You know, he's like, I know that he has that little deep voice and he gives that little look with his eyes, but he's ain't gonna do that to me. And then she goes, then I see him all dressed nice, crisp boot, crisp, crisp boot, and a cane, and he does this little walk. And then she just lost it. She ran up to him like, oh, Prince, ooh! <laughs> Gave him a kiss on the cheek. And then Prince goes, Mavis, you forgot the other cheek. So she gives a kiss on the other cheek. And, you know, they talked. And then she talked about how she loved writing him, that she would write him 12-page letters on stuff. So when they went to record the album, the voice, things that she described in the letter, getting dressed for church, he put into the song. Then another letter she was talking about, an undertaker. So he wrote a song for her called The Undertaker because of that letter. So just stuff like that. Uh, Just amazing. Mavis got pretty emotional towards the end. We're just like, go on, Mavis. It made us a little sad. You know, and then she told another story about them uh, shooting a video, a live video that was going to be on ABC, which I believe was The Ride Divine. And then, because um, Prince wanted Pop Staples to play with him. Do you think he'll he'll perform with us? And she's like, yeah. See, Prince was, res- was respectful, but man, Prince loved being a jokester, man. Like, Pops is like practicing his guitar in the corner of Paisley. And then Prince goes up to Pop Staples, Mr. Legend here, and he goes, you're going to play with us, Junior? And Pops is like, what did you call me? And Prince, Prince walks back up to him, Junior, and then runs away, and Pops is trying to chase him, but he couldn't catch him. Like, just stuff like that. And Mavis just like, she's just, just so overtaken. She's like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm ne- I need to go back, sit down. Then you had Susanna and Melvoin uh, come out. And Susanna told the Starfish and Coffee story. And Susanna was his former girlfriend. or She fian- was an ex-fiancé. Fian- oh. Unlike um, some other people that say they were engaged. Yeah. And Susanna was, you know, she's up there in the Maite and Manuela stuff. May not have been married, but she was with him for a while. She told the Starfish and Coffee story, which has been around, which is online. So I'm not going to read it verbatim. It was just nice to hear out loud and get her little input on it. Um, then afterwards was her sister, Wendy. Wendy Melvoin, the Revolution, who all sat together. They were all there. And like... The whole band was there? The whole band. Wow. There's still a band, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So... Wendy is like on the podium and the way that she's holding it, like I'm afraid if she gets emotional, she's going to fall back the way that she's just holding onto the front of the podium. And then she's all like, he made all of us better. And then she mentioned each member of the revolution, like his brother, Bobby's here, his sister, Lisa's here. And then Brown Mark, how Brown Mark still looks the same because black don't crack. <clears throat> and just Wendy was just like, he made all of us better. And then Des Dickerson was there and she told a story, 1981, 16 years old, Des was late to practice. So Prince just said, you know, to Lisa, like, your friend can play guitar, right? And then Prince just looked at Wendy, like, can you play with us? And then 
they started playing controversy and Prince would walk around the stadium to see how the sound was. And he was loving the way that Wendy was playing. And then they just started jamming. They jammed so hard that, and for so long, they had to like, uh, guys, you got to stop rehearsing. We got a show to do. And then the next day, Prince calls Lisa and tells Lisa, does, does your friend want to join the band? Like, I want to talk to her. And then Prince did to ask her face-to-face. And then she was like, absolutely. So she said, Des, I want to thank you so much for not showing up to practice that day. And Des was there, right? Des was there. <laughs> He's like, you're welcome. But that's how everything started, you know, and he kept pushing Wendy harder to make her better. And that was, I mean, at 16 years old. And then she was just like, she was just blown away by him, you know. And then, so of course, he's like, sure, you want me to play guitar? Okay. And she thought nothing of it. And that was just a really great story, very respectful. And then you have my take come up. Oh, Lord. We're worried about her. Like, she's taking this very hard. And it's not very understandable. I don't think there was a lot of closure uh, with her and Prince the way things ended. So, you know, she got up, she was already teary-eyed, talked about a few things, and then she said that, you know, everyone thought that the baby that we had together for seven days was named Boy Gregory, that wasn't its name, and, you know, I, I talked with some people, and I just feel that this is the right place to say that his name was Amir, and that's, for everyone else, it's A-M-I-R. Not the other spelling that's going around. Not Quest Loves Amir, A M I R, which you know, like Son of King, translates into. So she shared that, and then heart wrenching. She started reading the lyrics to "Come Back," which was for Amir, and now it's for him. Spirits come, spirits go. Some stick around for the after show. If you ever lose someone dear to you, never say the words, they're gone. They'll come back. Then Maite left, and me and Adrian were like, gosh dang it, we're trying not to cry over here, Maite. That was tough. Like, it was just so heartfelt. And then um, Manuela had to follow that, and she came up with Omar Baker, because Manuela never was good in front of crowds, never wanted to be the singer. Um, she just told a story of one time, like, you know, and I remember it at the Musicology uh, kickoff tour in LA, you know, during DMSR, you hear Prince go, Testolini one, Testolini two. <laughs> so I'm sure he was always messing with her like that. Um, and then one time, like, you know, she, she was his assistant or whatnot, like she had to be around and then she didn't want to be on stage. And then one time, Prince is yelling, yelling for her, like, Manny, get my fedora. So she had to, like, run back to the dressing room and just stick her hand out as far as she could without everyone seeing who she was for him to just grab it. And I think one time, like, he did grab her. <laughs> she was out there in front of everyone, which he wasn't too comfortable with. But, you know, she just wanted to thank everyone for being there and just share some stories, humanize him a little bit. Um... And then she brought, she had Omar Baker, which is Prince's um, brother, on stage. And Omar talked. And it's, it's interesting. Omar doesn't exactly look like Prince, but there's kind of like the same mannerisms, the voice, 
got a little bit of bass to it. And then sometimes, like, Prince, when he first was talking to the media back in the early 80s, there'd be a lot of ums going on. It was very, very interesting to me. And Omar shared a heartfelt story as well. No, I know that they're half siblings, right? Right. You, which, are they, they share the same father or the same mother? The same mother, I believe, because he has the last name of Baker, like Haywood, Haywood Baker. So, yeah, I think that they were, but if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone's going to let me know it. I'm sure Manuela is going to slap me upside the head next time she sees me for getting that wrong. Uh, but it was just so classy, you know, Omar and all of them. And then um, they showed a celebration of life film. And it was just kind of like going through Prince's history. And then, you know, segments like Samuel Jackson talking, Nika Costa talking. Um, another just heart-wrenching stuff, man. And just cool photos. Then they played like the last December. And like with lyrics, I was just like, okay, all right. You're making it through, Jay. You're making it through. They had to go to way back home. Oh, wow. They played that. There comes a little tear down the right eye. Like, okay, good. Adrian's to my left. He ain't going to see it. There ain't no one to my right because of where we sat. It was just tough, man. It was just tough. Um, you know, and then uh, the Reverend came out, Michael Bernard, back with to thank everyone for coming out. And then he did kind of quote from way back home again. And just like, it was like two, two and a half hours, the ceremony. And um, it was just so classy, so good. Like, I think it helped out a lot of people and they needed that. And that's why I'm saying I really want the fans to be able to get that. And afterwards, like I'm seeing people I haven't, seen a few years tell Manuela how classy I thought it was uh, see Maite Tony from No Doubt was there and like he hugged me I thought I was going to lose it again like I got like on April 21st like within the first hour you know Tony like hit me up sent me a text like I'm dying inside it's like I'm dying you know and you know this is someone that played with him before grew up being his fan but there was just so many of, the, of these people, like Gwen Stefani was there and Larry King was there. And look, like I said, there were so many other people that were just an integral part of him, whether they were assistant, whether they were cook, whether a business manager. Um, but of course, because it's him, they focus on the celebrities. And there was so many others there. And they send out invites to everyone. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there are some stories that that wasn't the case. But from what I heard, that is the case. Um, there's some people that weren't there that should have been there um, that may have helped them through some times that's not for me to say but I was glad I was there um, I just really truly hope uh, the public memorial if it's even half as good as this one was because it's not going to be as intimate there's no way but it's even half as good as this one is it'll be great and I just think that we all need it um, well, we can mention too. Uh, earlier last week in LA, we had kind of a public memorial that was right. a little more lighthearted. Um, but I heard some great feedback from people there, and Eric Benet did an amazing job. And you know, we had uh, the the LA crew, the Bump Squad, was out there representing the who. <laughs> but uh, the what? 
but it was great to have you know special guests you know stevie wonder i think was pretty special so right. it's kind of cool that some fans at least they're starting to get that you know get it out of their system being able to pay homage i wasn't ready for that like i've met with like a few people and they've only been kind of like out of town i haven't really like been hanging with a lot of people and hopefully if you guys are listening to this like you gotta not take it personally like i just can't do stuff like that right now i can't go to tribute there's a bunch of people i can maybe handle two or three people at a time there's just a lot of stuff going on that i'm dealing with um in the press interviews and whatnot that i just i have to do but i got to make good judgment calls on it um just don't take it personally you know you can think that i'm not a good friend that's okay but understand i'm going through a lot more and i'm still having to be his voice now more than ever more than i have been um but we're all in this together. We're all grieving and we're all going to try to get through this. And on the next time, we're going to try to be a little bit more upbeat. We're going to talk about a, a story about Extra Lovable that's kind of like made its way online today. Um, just that I'm sitting on the video, um, but I want it to be done the right way. And of course, with what's going on with the estate, my wishes may not get answered quickly enough but i really would like warner brothers and title to be involved because to have it get the promotion that i wanted but i'll go more in depth with that uh the next time but to my tay to manuela thank you guys so much uh for this thing i think he would have been proud of it and um i want to thank you guys for listening Appreciate the time. I hope this helped you. I hope this gave you a little bit more of an in-depth insight to how it was. Um, much love. We're with you. Peace.